Thank you for listening to our Chat Canna broadcast. This podcast was originally created for our YouTube channel and is being rebroadcast here for your convenience. We'd like to thank the folks at Canna RHX for providing this Chat Canna podcast. Good morning, everyone. It is time for another Chat Canna. It's Thursday. It is the 10th of September, and our background there, uh, let's see if I can overlay that. Our background is Botno, North Dakota. There, can you see her? I can see my house from here. That's an old joke. That's a joke <laughs> that's, that used to be in the bars before you were picture. born. Uh, uh, Veronica, <laughs> my co-host right over here, Veronica Michael from Prairie Products in Fargo, North Dakota. My name is John Reitmeyer from Canna RHX and Fisher. And we have a special guest today, Veronica. Why don't you bring him online here? Yeah, so I am excited to have Keith Knutson from Botno join us today. Hey there, Keith. How are you? Hello, it's good to be on. It's great to be on. Well, thank you for having us. I mean, Keith is the Department Chair of Agriculture and Horticulture at Dakota College at Botno. Um, we're so happy to have you with us. Thank you. Good. Uh, well, maybe we could start, Keith, with you telling us a little a bit about where Botno, North Dakota is. Sure. So Botno, North Dakota is in north central North Dakota, right up against the Canadian border. Uh, I think Botno is probably 11 miles from the Canadian border, and uh, and I and I have a farm, and my farm is about four miles away from the Canadian border. So, so are we looking north here or south on this? You're, you're looking south. You're ah, you're coming okay. coming out of the Turtle Mountains, and we call that section of the Turtle Mountains the foothills uh -huh. that you're coming out of here too. So, so yeah, south down there somewhere in South Dakota, a long, long way. Yeah, you really, really, really <laughs> need to look. <laughs> <laughs> so Keith, can you tell us a little bit about your background, you know, maybe where you're from and a little bit sure. about your education? Yep, I'd love to. Uh, so I'm originally from the Bodno area. I grew up on a farm. It was about a 5,000 acre farm just east oh. of Bodno. And we had a lot of cereal crops. It was back when sunflowers were just starting out. So we planted uh, quite a few acres of, of sunflowers. And then we had uh, Angus uh, herd on the farm. And um, one other thing, which kind of popped up during my high school years, uh, FFA, was is we were to kind of pick out projects that we wanted to do on farm as a student. And, uh, and I thought, you know, I wanted to have a lane in operation. So we, uh, I talked to my dad, father about it, and he goes, yeah, sure, let's do that. So I said, well, I want to, let's, uh, can we start with 100, 100 chickens? I thought that was quite a few. <laughs> And my dad always was kind of a big thinker. <laughs> so <laughs> right away he said, well, let's put up a barn for it. And so then next day he says, you make a plan for it. And he says, but don't plan for 100. Plan for, let's say, 2,000 chickens. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, we did that. And I guess, uh, and we proceeded with it. And, we, of course, we sold all of our eggs locally. We had a, a processing facility he built and everything right on the spot for my FFA project. Um, I think we eventually got to about 25,000 chickens. No. Yes. Five to a cage or how? Yeah, that's the way, that's the way it was back then. Yeah. That's not allowed today. No, no, but that's. But, uh, yeah. So I, all, I, yeah. I ended up going. Beaked. Yeah. They were de-beaked. And, they uh, were de -beaked. Yeah. And so the eggs rolled out on the cage yeah. in front of him, and we, we went along and we picked um, eggs. Um, 
eventually we got to the point where we put some conveyors in place so all the eggs rolled down to the end um <laughs> but it, it was kind of a neat situation because that was in high school and and when we when i got out of high school of course the operation still had to go on while i was going to ndsu and so the family took care but i have uh i had five there's five of us kids in the family so they took wow. care of it. and then i came back after college and continued that operation for i think it was seven or eight years um and then we did sell out after that point in time so but i did go to ndsu uh, i received a degree in agricultural education and um kind of close to you i i taught at climax minnesota for for two years in the voag department there and then i also taught in Botno, North Dakota, too. What? I'm from Climax, yes. Minnesota, Keith. Are you? <laughs> yes, really? I'm class of 1990 Climax, Minnesota. Oh. So that's sure. That's crazy. You? Yeah, it was are... back back mm -hmm. in uh, eight, 1980 to 83, I think, is when See, I was in Climax. You were Minnesota. just a youngin then. You were just yes. a that is crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you might know, like Andrew Michael, my dad's youngest brother. Yeah. Yeah, um, I recall you know, the name. Yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. Wow. You know, it's just old hometown day here. It is. is. That's so, wild. So it funny. is. And wow. I, yeah. There's always a connection. <laughs> there is. It's amazing how there is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so then I taught in Climax, Minnesota for a couple of years. Um, the farming operation was rather big back home. So I did move back home and, and farmed. Uh, for a few years with my father and then I have I had three other brothers so we all had to share and at that point then uh, I I decided that I was going to have my own small farm on the side and let my brothers go ahead and farm so I moved back and I ended up talk about a diverse life career um, I ended up farming and uh, managing an electronics facility in Denseith, North Dakota so it was an assembly uh, uh, operation in Dunseith, North Dakota, and we built a lot of product for IBM and 3M and Honeywell. And little, so it was little, little things. You did the yeah, little component things. Okay. Little component things. And when we when I first started out, we were doing a through hole type components where you stick them in the hole. Um, by the time that um, uh, after about 15 years, we were doing surface mount where we were taking machines and just very neatly putting those components on the surface so yeah and that was quite a i did that for 26 years oh my goodness and yeah i know it was, it was quite wow. a long period of time and then i decided to retire at uh age 57 that did not work nah, out. Nah, that nah, did not nah, work nah, out nah, nah. That's not gonna happen. No, <laughs> I no. ended up. Uh, I ended up just having a lot of anxiety issues. So I thought, well, I got to get back to work. <laughs> so, um, so then wow. I found this opportunity at Dakota College. It was actually through the Small Business Development Centers, and I was a, a location here at Dakota College for that. And then I ended up um, eventually in uh, training or going and being a teacher, so an instructor here at the college. So yeah. Wow. So wow. it's been interesting. And I still farm. <laughs> you do? I still farm, yep. Yeah, so it's been interesting. I was not expecting that big answer, and I wasn't expecting that you taught in Climax, <laughs> my hometown. Absolutely. That's amazing. That's amazing. 
<laughs> wow, and I think you've got a picture in a closet somewhere that's aging. We're we're convinced of that here. So. Oh, I'm sure. Either I'm that, sure or you've got some camera closet. tricks or something up there in Botno. <laughs> yeah, no sure. kidding. No. Move to Botno for the like yeah. youthful <laughs> look at weather. Absolutely. <laughs> so <laughs> you really have you are really are a Renaissance man. What are you mm. farming um, currently? What crops I, do you farm? I farm uh, in the Turtle Mountains, which is if you look at the picture, that's up. We're about two miles from where the picture was taken. Um, I do a lot of, uh, not a lot, I do uh, a lot of hay and forage type farming mm -hmm. nowadays. Uh, sell a lot of hay. Most of my hay it does. Uh, we, have, uh, we have some horses at the farm and we do board horses. So some of that hay then goes back to the horses that we board. And then uh, in the past, you know, I've done a lot of vegetable production. That's kind of how I got really, really involved in horticulture. And we, I've moved away from that a little bit and now mainly into hemp production, which is very similar. I know you had um, Dave Ripplinger on here a few, a few sessions ago, and mm -hmm. he talked about uh, hemp and being an a agricultural type business, more uh, larger farming type. And so uh, I found kind of a niche with uh, cannabinoids and the CBD, and that really, really fits well in the horticultural portion of it. So, yeah. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. yeah. So your plants are named and numbered then? Yeah. Kind yeah, of? My, but my plants are all have um, cultivar names. Yeah, no, but so. I mean, you have a, a, enough of them or a little of them that you have them, they're in rows and you have them like yes. row A, 30, they're all named and numbered. You right. know them by, but you know yeah. them by, you call them by name. In, in the I morning. call them by name. <laughs> <laughs> I was out uh, yesterday really late just before it got dark, got dark because we froze here yeah. uh, two nights ago, like most places. Here, here too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, my, my thermometer said 27, but my neighbor's thermometer said 21. So I don't oh, know who to believe. Oh, oh. Yeah. And I think part of the difference here is my thermometer's in a weather station that's 30 feet up in the air. And of course, cold frost tends to creep along the ground. So his is probably a bit more accurate. But, you know, hemp didn't, didn't affect the hemp any on that. It came through really, really well. So everything mm. else froze. <laughs> All the vegetables that I had froze, but that's okay. Nice. Yeah, that's, exactly. That stinks. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the work that you do or the horticultural activities that you do oh, there great. at Dakota College at Botnell. Yeah. So we have um, the horticulture department covers uh, specialty crops. We have a specialty crop program. And when I, when I say specialty crop, I'm talking mainly vegetables and fruits type. Uh, we have a program. We have a, an AA degree in that. Uh, we have a degree in floral design. Not very, not very common, especially in this part of the country, not just North Dakota, but this part of the country. So we have students that are doing floral design, green, greenhouse, um, uh, floral type businesses quite a bit. Uh, we have an aquaponics program which okay. I, I don't know if you're aware of that. I but didn't that know is, that. Yeah, that's, we're, so we're growing fish and vegetables uh, in that program, and it's a separate greenhouse that we have that operation going in. Tilapia, um, then, is the fish? Tilapia, yeah. Yep. You know, um, it started with me before I started here teaching. I started in 2000, and I, and I had 
uh, I have a greenhouse in my my farm, and I had um, I started with perch and bluegills and trout in that operation, that aquaponics operation. Um, I found out though when I came to the college scene, uh, those fish are very sensitive. <laughs> And they're not very tolerant, so I found that I needed to go to a more tolerant type fish here at the college. And so we went to tilapias here, and that's what we're we're raising here. We're really overpopulated right now with tilapia, but I've got some students that love to work on reproduction of fish. And oh. so we've got tons of fish, and we need to figure out how to take care of that. But that's another issue. So... Um, <laughs> The, uh, we have students. Uh, I have one student from India that's been here now. The second year is going to be graduating. And, uh, we have a number of students, not so much North Dakota. It's just kind of that way. Uh, a number of students from West Coast and East Coast that are taking those aquaponics courses. And we have, so I have a couple from Minnesota. My first two students uh, that came out of the program two years ago got hired before they got their degree, which is great. They, uh, yeah, yeah, I can't beat that. And, and yeah. one of the students was my son, of course. I had uh -oh. a son that was really into it. And they uh, they were able to actually go to a place where a company wanted to start an aquaponics operation. And so they were able to come in and set up the operation, train their oh. people, which is really neat. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when they got done with that, that was what they were there to do. So they set the operation up got the operation functioning properly and then trained the individuals. So that were part of that company. Yeah. You know, I'm, so, re I'm, yeah. Re I'm reminded of the first apocryphal story of the Thanksgiving. What about one tilapia under every hemp uh, <laughs> uh, seed as you plant them? I mean, isn't it, wasn't that the story that we all grew up with, with the corn planting right. corn with a fish, uh, fish uh, under it, under it, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. Tilapia. Uh, Fish I wonder, or fertilizer. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, would yeah. that would that be a would that be a way to harvest some of the tilapia each year? Exactly, yeah. that would be a perfect way. Yeah, yeah. And then so um, we do have a hydroponics work. Dakota College, the horticulture department, we're kind of big in what we call controlled environmental agriculture. A lot of uh, greenhouse type act technology type activities. A lot of high tunnel activities. So. That's that's kind of where we've gone, and that's kind of why our hemp program with the CBD end of it fits really well. So um, we have an industrial hemp program, and uh, we've this started in January of this year. We've had nine students in this program so far. Oh, A little bit wow. small, but it's it's hey, comfortable. Hey. No, you that's know, great. Got that's... started, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, yep, that's a really great start. So, just to be clear, then, so you're primarily growing the hemp you are currently indoor then in um you know greenhouses or high right. tunnels or other things yeah okay that's a good that's a really good question so um we have assigned a uh, a greenhouse for just hemp production it's a small greenhouse it's uh i think it's 16 by 38 in feet so it's not terribly large but uh spring semester our students spend a lot of time propagation and uh, cloning, that type of thing, and, and working with plants indoor. Um, this summer now, we have two plots. We have one plot in, in a high tunnel, and then we have that same plot 
the same cultivars in an open field too. So we we uh, have that opportunity to to do it both ways to see what the results are both ways. So yeah, no, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. You know, one of the things that I think gets confusing when you're new to hemp is just the way the plant grows when you're growing it for cannabinoids. You mentioned something earlier that I thought was interesting when you were kind of making a correlation between, hey, at Botnu, we we do plants and um, vegetables and food really well. And that's kind of why, I think you kind of said, that's kind of why we the cannabinoids were a good fit. Yeah. Um, can you say a little bit more about that or explain that a little bit more to our sure. listeners? Yeah, so it, it's CBD is is interesting that way because um, it does fit well with uh, more labor intensive type operations, and of course, horticulture is kind of a labor intensive operation. Uh, mm-hmm. But a lot of the nutrient requirements that are required in uh, needed in hemp are very similar to that of a tomato plant. Uh, light requirements are very similar uh in in hemp for cbd purposes we have two types we have the photoperiod type hemp and then we have the autoflower type hemp and we do a lot of photoperiod type hemp here so we monitor our light conditions and and i mentioned that the spring semester we had it in a greenhouse well we had set up our lighting in that greenhouse to accommodate the vegetative stage of the hemp itself, of the plant itself. So, uh, and that kind of flowed over very similar to what we call indeterminate tomatoes and indeterminate peppers. Uh, if we want to keep them in the vegetative stage, then we, re- we have certain light requirements. So uh, hemp has fit very well in our program. We understand the light requirements of most specialty crops and hemp fits into that relatively well. And hemp, and I should say light is one of the many factors. CO2 is another one that uh, probably in the hemp industry has not been talked about. Um, In the medicinal marijuana industry, it's talked about a lot, but uh, not so much in the CBD end of it. We're flowing more towards uh, what works in horticulture for hemp. and, And we talk about CBD, but there are a lot of other cannabinoids that are starting to surface to uh, CBN is one, CBC is another one. There's just a lot of them. CBG goes mm-hmm. on and on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So are there any, you know, you talked about the similarities kind of between nightshade vegetables and hemp yeah. for CBD. So do they somehow have the same challenges then, like same pests or issues that happen for in the growing cycle? They do. They have a lot of the same challenges. Uh, and when you talk about pests, it's it's very similar. Um, with pests, aphids are very common on on both night, nightshade type and hemp. Uh, thrips is another one that's is somewhat common on both. Um, there are some like uh, a pest powdery mildew is not so common on tomatoes. It's more common on your cucumbers, you, you know, the cucumbers and the squashes and those type of plants. But uh, hemp will have some of the powdery mildew on them too. So it's interesting on how we work that. So we we work a lot of that pest management uh, anyway. So it fits well to work in the hemp with those pests, with that too. So, yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Yeah. So um, 
what is covered in the hemp program at Dakota College? Yeah, good question. Uh, so <laughs> it is so wide open right now. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot going on. So we have an introduction course, and that's where most of our students start out. And that course just covers all the basics of hemp production. And we do get into some of the processing end of it. Not a lot, um, but it is a full semester. It's a three-credit semester, and we cover a lot. We touch on rules and regulations, too, a little bit. But um, we talk about the plant quite a bit and, and what the plant is made of and, and how we grow that plant. Uh, that is the first course. We have three practicums that are really interesting. They're, a practicum is like a lab where students actually work right in doing hands-on. We're a career and tech education college, so mm -hmm. we have to have a lot of labs. We want to have a lot of labs and a lot of practicums. Um, the spring practicum is mainly working in the greenhouse. It's taking plants, uh, making mother plants out of those plants, taking a lot of cuttings. Uh, we're, next year, we're going to do some pollination um, to, to kind of uh, create plants that will, a female plant will, that'll create uh, female pollen. And so we have some feminized seed and, and try to do some seeds next year. Also, we just did clones this year. I think we probably ended up with about 5,000 clones after our classes were done this spring. Wow. Yeah. Where did they so, go? Wow. Uh, um, some of them went on the campus here. Uh, a large number of them went to my farm and we've got, uh, that is part of the whole program is to be able to let students actually see it work on a, on a farm. Uh, some of them, uh, others took some of those plants uh, across the state of North Dakota. So they do get spread out and some we threw away. I guess, yeah. you know, it's just the way always. it is. In the horticulture industry, you always plant more than you need in hopes of selling some, but you know you're going to throw away 10, 15%. So. And you got you to learn to live with that. People don't yeah. realize that there's a... <laughs> ton of it goes to the trash and that's right you just gotta that's part of the game and uh and yep. it's not like you save everyone can't be saved it's not like they run no. to the family in the when do, when dogs have, have puppies or something you know it's that's not right like, not like that <laughs> so, so and then we and then we have a, a a summer practicum too where you know that that's where the students uh finish the transplanting if we didn't finish up in the spring uh, we have uh, students that work with a pest management program that we have for hemp. Uh, uh, water management, nutrient management, they're all very important programs. And we do mostly micro-irrigation here with our hemp plant, either in, in the high tunnel or outside. So either way, we have a micro-irrigation system that we use fertigation for. Uh, and fertigation is mainly... Uh, is mainly salt-based type fertigation. So that reminds me, I'm going to make sure my phone is off here. And I'm oh, so sorry. No problem. It's, this is what you call real TV, you know? If, <laughs> the Kardashians, if the Kardashians can do it, we can do it. 
Hey. So, and we can so, be nicer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and we're a lot nice. We're a lot nicer, and we didn't get canceled. By, you know. And by the way, your shirt is really flashy today. Oh, I really like you. it, John. Yeah, it's very nice. College. Oh, you. uh, your shirt too, Keith. <laughs> I'm talking about. Oh, I, I, I get the shirt award today. Yes, thank you, thank you. But actually, I really like your shirt too, Keith. It is thank a very you. nice logo. That's very kind okay. of you. Should you I know, I'm trying to make your... compliment, and I messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead john no 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 it's just wonderful so um on campus then i'm just curious because i'm really sorry botno college has not been on my radar yeah even though i'm right here in kirkston um uh about how many kids are on campus uh so we probably in the hundreds know, in the thousands yeah no in the um, hundreds in the hundreds, yeah, we're probably. I'm. I. I don't even know a good number right now because we're still sure, early sure. in the semester. And then, I, if, if there are campus facilities for them, or are they mostly yeah. out of campus? Or? No, there. We have we have dormitories. We have okay. uh, food service here on campus. By the way, our food service gets a lot of their vegetables from our horticulture program Ooh, because yay. we grow vegetables year round. So uh, that's I think, nice. I would guess to say two hundred fifty to three hundred students. Um, Last year we had a thousand students in the whole picture. Yeah. So Wonderful. we have a we have a small uh, number of actually on campus students. Right. We're more of a online uh, when we do. And I mentioned we do we are career and tech education, so we do have practicum and labs. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. we present those in two different ways for our students on campus. We have the full semester. But we also do workshops for students that maybe want to come in for three, four days, and mm -hmm. we just really give it to them in three, four days and so, go after so it. You're so. kind of the first hemp intensive place that mm -hmm. I've heard of. That's that's. I know people are gearing up to do hemp degrees and things like yeah. this. But but really, uh, if somebody wants to jump in and get an immersive kind and immersive by your labs and things like that, right? Uh, you're kind of number one. At least you get to California, maybe. We like or, to think we are. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah. I, I, I think yeah. we can bestow that that upon you here. <laughs> Thank from, you. From our exposure <laughs> and our in our in our things, whether we're sure. talking to somebody in in Chicago or or Illinois, or, that's Chicago, Illinois. But I mean, down and down in those states or anywhere around here, it's like, right. well, have you checked with Botno because you can get do some fast learning up there and uh, yep. get yeah. your hands on it. So, yep. you know, and I mean, I think that I, I, I had misunderstood too. I thought that some of those programs were at Minot physically. So I'm excited yeah. to learn this because we're primary sector certified as a company at Prairie Products, which means we can apply for some internship dollars, but had not really known where to find those students right. that are, you know, interested in the science oh, of extraction, yeah. of course. So yeah, and if we get a chance, I'd like to talk about internships, our internships too. You mentioned Minot. We are connected with Minot State University uh, in the North Dakota University system, and uh, Minot has a medicinal herbal chemistry program there, which is mm -hmm. which is interesting, and that is just starting up. So herbal. Uh, I think it's yeah, a yeah. medicinal plant chemistry program. Okay. I think is what you guys should take the word herbal, herbal out of that. Okay, uh, medicinal yeah. plant chemistry. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And so, uh, they do work with uh, cannabinoids quite a mm -hmm. bit, or they are going to work with cannabinoids. That's one of the things that we'll be able to work with them on. Um, I have spoke to the instructor there this fall, and he said, can I bring my students up? 
so they can see how yeah, things are yeah. in the production world. I said, great. He said, and I said, can I bring my students down to see the <laughs> test? So would that, would that lead to a compound pharmacy kind of a path for some of those students? It would. To, to yes, move on. it would. And, and for those that don't know, there's two kinds of pharmacies in the United States. And most people don't know this. There's the pharmacy like on the corner where they go and fill bottles out of out of other bottles. And if yeah. you order a, mean, a set of Minofin, they give you, no, that's not aspirin. That's Tylenol. They give you Tylenol, but it yeah. comes out of a bottle and they just do bottles. And right. then there's the compounding pharmacist, which is a whole nother world. They take yeah. chemicals out of jars and they mix them together and use a mortar and pestle and make a preparation for you. Sure. Yeah. And that's a very sophisticated job yet. And I, I don't remember the number. Casey, my partner, was looking it up. But there's a very few compounding pharmacies around the United yeah. States. Yeah. And Correct. those are the ones that kind of can start interacting with the CBD, CBG, all the CBs and everything. Right. That go along with this and yeah. see, okay, if I input this, and I'm so glad you took the word herbal out of it because I don't yeah. think of, of cannabinoids as being herbal in any no. way. Um, so, but they can take the one and mix it with, you know, other things that we know of in chemistry yeah. and see, does this offer a benefit to the customer? Um, does it negate something to the customer? Right. And start finding out where this goes because we're 70 years behind. I know. And so that's the, that's the magic answer to that. So wonderful. We, we were held back for so long, but... The reins are loose, loosened yep. up a little bit. So. It's coming along. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned how you're connected to Minot. How do yeah. you uh, also connect with NDSU and some of the work they're doing mm. in Fargo or even in Dickinson in Hamilton? Right. Yeah. So and we work with both of those. Um, actually, we work with, uh, we have an egg consortium. We work with Williston State and Lake Region also as okay. part of that group that, uh, uh, we have the opportunity this summer. I was visiting with a, a graduate student at NDSU at one of the hemp conferences last year, and he was talking about making this kind of his thing to do for to get his master's degree was to do some uh, looking at some cultivars of for CBD purposes. So we started talking about it, and uh, we came up with a plan. And we went to North Dakota APOC, the Agricultural Utilization Product, no, Agricultural Product Utilization Commission. Mm -hmm. And they gave us some funding so that we could do this project. We have 12 cultivars here at Botno. Uh, 12 are outdoors, and then there's 12 in a high tunnel. So it's kind of a controlled oh, environment. Very much, yeah. Yeah. And then NDSU's got that same setup down in Absaraca. And, and they have a high tunnel there, and then they have an open field too. And so we're collecting data here. Uh, I should say we're not typically what we call a research institution. That's the NDSU type. Right. Uh, we, we like to think of ourselves as an applied research right. you know, institution where we're trying different things, seeing what works in our area, and then, then utilizing those. So, so we're collecting data. We're actually collecting some data as far as... Uh, the size of the stem, and they're huge. I mean, some of those stems that the red are two inches up. Around. Yeah, they could get. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like trees. Yeah, like trees. And and so then we uh, we also measure the height at this point in time. Uh, we have plants that are two and a half feet tall cultivars, and we've got cultivars that are seven feet tall. Mm 
Right. So it, it's quite a range. Um, and then we're also looking, what really is important is CBD. I mean, that's what it's all about, the production of CBD. So we're looking at varieties that in these different situations, we call them growing zones, in these different growing zones, how do they perform? And it's kind of amazing. Uh, at the first part of August, I was visiting with a graduate student, Ryan Archer, uh, about that. And he says, we're starting to see some blossoms. I go, we're not even close in northern North Dakota yet to seeing that. Um, and and so they, it looks like they're about two weeks ahead down there with the same cultivars that we are here. Wow. And it was kind of interesting because I thought, well, why is that, you know? And these are photoperiod plants, so they're affected by the length of the day. Um, and I started to look at it, and I pulled some data. And in between Absaraca, North Dakota, and Botno, North Dakota, there's about 10 minutes more daylight in Botno, North Dakota. And so you figure that out. Uh, today's daylight will in Absaraca, the length of the day is equal to about what it will be a week from now for us. So it's just uh, it's just kind of amazing how that much difference between north southern North Dakota and northern North Dakota, and that would be the same thing in the valley, you know, too, and and on the Minnesota side. So it's interesting. It's really great that and out of the we actually I'm actually has two other cultivars on campus, but out of the fourteen cultivars that we're growing here, there's only four that are potentially going to make it. That are potentially going to have enough CBD production to make it worthwhile for our producers to grow in this part of the state. So yeah, it's a really interesting wow. project. And it's great to have NDSU to partner with because oh, they have absolutely. that research <laughs> protocol in place. They know how to do this stuff. Um, it's great to have them in place. And so now we will, we're, we just started collecting um, flour to send off to have it tested. Uh, today is actually the first day, and so we will be monitoring that. And uh, some of the information that I've seen is, is that, uh, of course, CBD starts low, and then it creeps up and creeps up and creeps up. But so does THC. So mm -hmm. I call it cannabinoid management. And uh, we need to know when to harvest. We know that pretty much all plants will exceed the 0.3 THC we just need to know to be smart about knowing when to harvest that. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm excited yes. about the whole thing. I, I, my brain cannot get over that out of the 12 cultivars that you've been growing, that four are potentially yeah. really viable. I yeah. mean, I, I, yeah, that's wow. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it's kind of funny too, because, um, some of the cultivars, we actually have two cultivars that are named cherry wines. Uh, one cultivar was a cultivar that I got from my farm that I purchased a couple of years to two years ago, and I've grown them for two years in a row. And then there was another cultivar that we had gotten from another location, and there's, they're not alike at all. They're totally different. And that is one of the reasons why we're doing this project, too, is, is because we're finding that when you go out, when an individual goes out and purchases from a seed company, and there have been tons of seed companies, and hopefully they'll, a lot of them will go away. I don't mean anything bad by it. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not as dramatic as John, but we're hoping they go away. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your stories so. about some seed we've gotten. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
So one of the things we're doing there is we're going to do some what I call genotyping. Uh, we have a company called Phylos Bio, Bioscience that we're sending uh, samples off to. And it's like Ancestry.com is what it's like. Uh, we're going to see who the parents were and who other potential related uh, relatives are. Uh, example on that cherry wine, you know, it was amazing two years ago. It was kind of a popular one. I thought, well, I'm going to find some cherry wine. I'm going to grow those on my farm. And I found two sources right away. And in both of them were like, oh, I think they were like three or four dollars a seed. And I wanted to get a hundred seeds. And I said, I'm going to do some shopping. And I ended up waiting like three weeks. And all of a sudden there was cherry wine all over. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? People are changing the names here. You know, and I, and, and I maybe shouldn't say that, but I felt that way, you know, because then there was cherry wines all over because it was kind of a popular cultivar to have. And so that is why I think it's very important that we do some genotyping to identify, is this really a cherry wine? Is it really part of that family? Or is it something that I purchased or somebody purchased that is not even a cherry wine, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a really important part of this whole research project is we find a plant that produces CBD very well, and then we identify uh, what it really is. You know, is it a cherry wine? Is it a cherry 308? Is it a, oh my goodness, the names go on and on and on, you know, mm -hmm. so it's important. So very, important. very important. So important. Yeah, Very important. We planted one plot, um, and it, we planted it like grass. It was an industrial hemp. Yep. And we wanted to just try it and see what it did. Two grew, and I mean, the plot was 100 by 50, and we planted it like grass. Mm -hmm. Two grew, one was a male. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, it's good seed. I'm telling you, it's good seed. Yeah. That's why I get my Nerf gun out. I'm telling you. Nerf, 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 Nerf. You know, but seriously, this is a huge challenge. People are taking a high risk getting into a new crop, yes. um, taking a higher risk by not having a marketplace that feels as regulated as it should be. Um, what do you see as some of the concerns outside of just this concern with right. CBD hemp production? Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the major concerns is our market isn't quite there yet. And I, and I know that producers are... Um, going ahead and producing quite a number of them are without knowing where that, that mark, where it's going to. And we had, we, of course we had the market that was flooded last year. And so we have to deal with that too. I think that's kind of a huge concern. Um, I would hope that those good producers uh, that are good producers would kind of work through it a little bit because those are the ones we want to stay in this business. And I, so I think eventually um, uh, those individuals that are, are growing it for CBD purposes, that'll be, that list will be narrowed down quite a bit. I think it'll be a point where, where we've got a smaller list. And then I think those individuals should really look at marketing and how they're going to market. I think that's a really critical issue right now. I see a lot of, a lot of product plant material out there that's just sitting there. So I am a little concerned about it. Um, deteriorating over the course of a year you know we're talking about we're talking about a substance that does evaporate uh, very slowly it needs to be properly stored and so i think that the value of that from last year maybe has um, degraded a little bit 
too. So that's something that would be a concern too, to me. Once it's been run through Veronica's machinery or it's been diffused or something, is it more stable at that point? I believe it is. Okay. Um, but um, I haven't seen a lot of data there yet. Okay. I believe it is, especially if it's um, if you can understand what it takes to preserve it. Right, yeah. Veronica, you're shaking your head no, but I don't yeah. know which part you're going no yeah. to. Oh, so I, I'm I believe it's much more stable. Yes, but I'm with Keith. There hasn't been enough research and yeah. post production of extraction and shelf life. We need to know more about how does the oil age? Should, right. you know, what's the temperature control? You know, we are making some assumptions based on what we know about other oils and um, oil extracted material. But yeah, those yeah. are huge questions that I think that we all need to know because that's part of the marketplace, right? I mean, exactly. how fresh right. is this product? What is, what is its yeah. expiration date? Yep. You know, yep. what's, um, and, and for companies that are much larger extractors than us here in North Dakota Prairie, yeah. you know, if you have, you know, 555 gallon barrels of crude on hand, what does that mean for you? What is yeah. that shelf life? That's, yeah. it's mind boggling actually. And like it you say, is. even what temperature, what, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. you know, where, sh where should it be in a cave somewhere? You know, where it's absolutely <laughs> Right. You know, or at 32 <laughs> degrees or. Exactly. I mean, we know humidity and cold have the, and, and temp have this impact. So, um, yeah, I think there's a, I I'm fascinated by all that. I, yeah. as fascinated as I am about saving my tomatoes for preservation <laughs> or strawberries, right? Like it's about how can we best capture this cannabinoid, mm -hmm. but also preserve it so that um, right. you're getting the best benefit. So. And I, I don't think it's any different than any, any other farm uh, plant that we produce. You know, there's situations where we're going to overproduce one year and there's going to be situations where we won't have enough the next year. So we need to figure out how to and properly balancing flow yes. kind of thing. No different than yeah. what we learned, of course, right. over 150 years with wheat and barley and right. all of the other commodities that we have, right? Pork bellies, yep. you know, they're, they're doing pork bellies out, what, a year and a half maybe? I'm not mm -hmm. big in the pork belly market, but you know, there. This is all. What's the rain down in Brazil today? Oh my God, that's got an influence on us. <laughs> it and, does. Uh, and so, you know, this is where we need to get with the with the hemp products of all yep. different kinds. So, this has been an awesome show. We hope oh that gosh. we lean on you for oh. for uh, uh, input and advice as the years go by here, and follow along with your personal hemp crop, and then also what your students are doing. And uh, I still say plant. Put a fish in the ground with every hemp plant, and uh, it might be a test next year, right? It might be. You know? But seriously, I, I mean, I, we would love to have you and your students, if they want to share any of their research or information sure. that you're finding, um, a tour of your facilities. We're really great. open. This went too fast. I know it did. <laughs> we'll do it again. We'll do okay. it again. <laughs> I would love to do it again because there's a lot to talk about yet. There Absolutely. really is. Can I have one more question or I'm cut off, of John? No, 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 okay. no, no. Yeah, I just want to ask one more because I felt like this was a, such a good one is, you know, where do you see hemp going in the next 10 years, Keith? Oh, like, wow. Let's put your future hat on yeah. and what are you thinking? Right. So, you know, we look at the three different areas. We look at seed and mainly for oil. And I think there are a lot of opportunities, just the personal use of oil. Uh, I think I'm, we're going to see that grow quite a bit. Um, you know, 
to be honest with you, North Dakota could produce all we needed to produce of seed and fiber and CBD. I know it could be done. Uh, and I know uh, David Ripplinger kind of gave it to you in acreages. I can't do that, but I would have to agree with what he's saying. I think I'm a little more conservative than he is. I'd probably <laughs> say a little lower number just because we have such a capability. Our farmers are such great growers. You know, yep. um, we have the capability of producing a lot more than most people think we could produce. So Absolutely. I, I, I see that. I see that industry going. I, the fiber is one of those, you know, it takes a lot of dollars to get the processing in place. Mm-hmm. And we're going to need, we are going to need those type of facilities closer to where we're growing than what we are. I, I think about uh, uh, somehow packaging that. And I think, of course, round bales because I have round balers on my farm. Um, and, and I wouldn't want to ship that across the country. Yeah, it would just exactly be too right. expensive. That's exactly um, right. One thing about hemp, I will say I've got one minute if I can hemp mm-hmm. fiber. We are in an ideal spot in North Dakota to grow hemp fiber. Hemp fiber plants like long days. And yeah. we have long days here in North Dakota. Yeah. Long days of sunlight. Uh, you go across the border and into Canada, they've got long days there too and they're, they're relatively successful in fiber. So I think we have a uh, we could be the fiber-producing state in this country. And then, of course, CBD, um, it, it just depends on what that demand grows. You know, if, if some of these companies that want to incorporate it into their food products, into their drinks, that type of thing, there's just a ton of opportunity. Um, I think that we we probably as a state will want to look more at some of the auto flowers just because the photoperiod plants take too really take quite a while before they mature. So I think there's some opportunities for autoflower. And then that'll improve on the mechanization too, because most of the autoflowers are shorter type plants. Smaller plants, you bet. Yeah, yes. We do have to go, but thank you. We will will touch on all of these things individually and uh, going to be fun to interact with your students in some way in the future. Again, uh, your your email has come across the bottom so folks can make contact with you. I hope they do. And we will talk with you again real soon. Thanks. Stay in the green room. We'll talk to you a little bit. Yes, after. thank you okay, so much, Keith. Thank you. It's been Alrighty. exciting. Yeah, thank Thanks you for joining right. us. Right now. Okay, we did it again. It goes by too fast. It, it was so. Well, you know what? One, I wasn't expecting that Keith taught in Climax, Minnesota. Like that was a surprise. And then just. Just to learn more about Botno and what the, the other wow. work they're doing there was fascinating. Wow. And to think that this is really happening around us, right here in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Got to yeah. get in the car. We got to, uh, you know, this this issue of the of the uh, things that are going on around us now and sequestering. We got to get past that so we can all get out and start yeah. shaking hands and touching and feeling things again. So it'll be yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, well, I think it's it will be fun to talk to Keith again. So thanks, okay. everyone, for joining us today. See you again on Monday for a Have You Heard, a little short version of something going on in the hemp industry. And, of course, Tuesday we'll be back with a full-length show and looking forward to sharing more hemp news, information, sports. Is there hemp sports? We're going to invent that. We'll see. It'll be, it'll be <laughs> Veronica and John's copyright. Hemp exactly. sports. Exactly. It'll be fun. See you then. Bye.